When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you by Venator Racing Social. If you are planning a racing trip to Europe or further afield, check out Venator Racing Social for a large range of bespoke racing holidays at venator.co.uk. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Today, we are joined by French horse racing expert Adam Mills. He is not just a French horse racing expert, by the way. As Trish pointed out to me, our producer, since 2019, Adam has offered a unique insight into the international racing from France, Spain, the United Arab Emirates, and much more. His website, PrixDeLaHorse.com, aims to provide detailed analysis of both flat and national hunt racing, focusing on a more scientific approach to the form. Using a ratings model of his own design, Adam aims to bring accurate analysis of international racing form and how it compares between the various jurisdictions around the globe. Adam, welcome to the Final Forum Podcast. Thank you very much, Emmett. Thank you for having me on. I'm delighted to see that one person has read the About Me page on my blog, so that's always a good start. But uh, I'll, I'll do my best to take you through the French ones and we'll have a good game of Willie Mullins bingo while we're there. Oh, nice old school Final Furlong Podcast reference. I believe we have a new graphic made up for Willie Mullins bingo. There's going to be a considerable amount of that played in this episode because we're going to start with the juvenile hurdlers. Well, Willie Mullins, he had the one, two, three in the Triumph Hurdle last season. He could easily have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten this season. But Sir Gino is a little bit more prominent in the betting than all of the Willie Mullins horses. And this is, of course, your close personal friend, Nikki. Henderson training. Look, he was really impressive for the Donnellys on his hurdling debut at Kempton. His form ties in with another Donnelly-owned horse, but who they sent to the Willie Mullins team, Salvador Mundi, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. But give me your overall impression of Sergino. There was a lot of hype about him before that debut. What was it about his form in France that made him so interesting? And do you think he deserves to be second favourite for the Triumph Hurdle? Oh, that's a good question. Should he be second favourite? Well, his French form obviously stood out. He won the the pre-Wild Monarch, which is sort of it's a listed hurdle for three-year-old debutants, but it's got a really rich pedigree and a lot of the French breeders and trainers target their really promising and precocious three-year-old hurdlers at it. I mean, it, it's on the day, he was a bit of a surprise. He was sent off at 22 on the PMU, so it's not like he was sort of gambling in a, in a certainty, but he absolutely tanked through that race. Travelled superbly well, as he did at Kempton, really. Really impressive performance, nicely settled on the bridle. There were no problems with him, whereas we can, when we come to Salvatore Monday, there might have been a couple of issues. But everything about that race has really stacked up. There were five winners in behind him. The time was seven seconds quicker than the Phillies race, which I think is always a good guide. The Phillies race over the same course and distance on the same day. That race was actually won by Nara, who's also with Willie Mullins, one of the many juveniles he's got. And then I really I looked at the Kempton race and we were away over Christmas. So I sort of caught up with this when I got back. But 
when I looked at it at first, the only bit I saw was a brief clip on Twitter of him jumping the last two. And I thought, oh, he's not that impressive. And he leaves his back legs in one. And But then when you look at the times, he ran the fastest final circuit time of the day of three minutes, 12.7 seconds. From the second last to the line, he was the fastest. For me, I just, the only thing I can knock him with is I just wonder, one, whether he's experienced enough. And if I've, if I would like to see him going to Cheltenham on the back of four runs, I think he's probably going to go there on the back of three. I think he's likely to run at Cheltenham at the weekend if Nicky keeps his bottle. Um, and, and I just, I guess for me, the only thing I would say is at Autoy, he got himself out of trouble at the last because he got his legs all wrong, but he managed to get over it and then he quickened away perfectly. And the fact, the fact that he won, you know, is, is great credit to his temperament. But again, at Kempton, he made a couple of mistakes. And I think you're not under pressure when you're making mistakes. If he gets to the triumph hurdle, what, what's going to happen if he's got one of Willie's on one side and maybe Burdett Road coming at him with a late run? You know, what, what's what's he going to do at those final two hurdles? But, I mean, he's, he's, his record is two wins from two. You can't knock him. Is he the right position in the triumph hurdle market? Probably, yeah. And if you'd asked me to look at this weekend. They're due to meet at Cheltenham. I think he'll beat Burdett Road. And I have a huge amount of respect for Burdett Road because Burdett Road won in November when I thought Milan Tino was the biggest certainty to ever reach these shores. And Burdett Road kicked him out of the way like there was no tomorrow. So if you draw those form lines, I, I think the British have got a better chance this year than they did last year. But what I would say is I'd be worried about Sir Gino's prep. What I'm hoping is when he runs on Saturday... It's a real battle. I want him to get involved in a battle and let's see what he does. If he's making jumping errors under no pressure against largely inferior opposition, what kind of jumping errors might he make when he's up against genuine triumph hurdle contenders? Mm. And that's why I say the run at Kempton, the, the couple of mistakes when he left his back legs in one makes me think, is his concentration the issue or is there something more to it? And I, if it was if he was mine, he would have had three runs in the UK by the time he goes to Cheltenham because I think his jumping would suggest he needs more experience. But but Adam, I mean that's a scandalous thing to say. This is a racehorse. You can't expect a horse to race. That is not Nicky Henderson's philosophy, after all. I mean, if he could give every horse just one prep run before Cheltenham, wouldn't that be ideal for them all? Maybe. And the problem is that the Nicky Henderson Fan Appreciation Society will point to the fact that Pentland Hills won the triumph having run at Plumpton a couple of weeks before. Now, he had flat experience and it's different, but it's, it's horses for courses. But I would look at Sir Gino and I'd think this is a horse that needs more experience because yeah. how, one of the big angles I always want to look at is if a horse makes a mistake at the end of a race when they're tired or they're off the bridle, or the ground is really against them. Fair enough, I can live with that. We all make mistakes. But when they make mistakes for no obvious reason, I kind of worry that that might be accentuated when they're really under pressure. Because there's no doubt in my mind, if he's going to win the triumph hurdle, he's got to come off the bridle. This is going to be a really big field by the looks of it. There's going to be, I don't know, Willie might have five. That you know, There's no way Sir Gino is just going to be allowed to lob along on the bridle behind the leader and come with a late run. He might do, but to my eye, I've got lots of doubts. And that's why I hope when he goes to Cheltenham this Saturday that I can just put those doubts to one side because I genuinely think he's a better hurdler than Spurdet Road. 
and Burdett Road has kicked a couple of hurdles out the ground. So both of them have jumping questions to answer. Yeah, and Burdett Road has been very keen as well. Now, at least he's got big festival experience. He's been to Royal Ascot 1 under Neil Callan. Neil Callan was very impressed with him that day. Harry Cobden is going to be on board as well, which is a massive advantage. It doesn't appear as though Paul Nichols has got anything for the Triumph Hurdle, which is very unlike Paul. He hasn't won it for a few years, but he's normally got something to go, but it it doesn't appear as though he does this year. Well, well, he does, but I I don't think he'll run it. So I don't think it's going to... Yeah, I should clarify that, actually. Yeah, there's... There's the horse that he's bought and is already talking about as a Gold Cup performer. So yes. in other words, the reason he's saying that is don't ask me about this horse for Cheltenham because he's not going there this year, um, which you know is is fair enough. We'll see. We'll see with the Adonis is something something often emerges uh, on the scene. The thing is, the Triumph Hurdle has changed dramatically. Like the thought process used to be, don't really have a bet on this race until the Adonis or at least the entries for the Adonis are out, mm-hmm. and you're looking for something really useful from the flat. Now that would be Burdett Road, but he's almost the exception that proves the rule. We're not getting those horses anymore. They're going to Australia, Hong Kong, America. There, there's too much demand for those horses in other jurisdictions and other markets. So we're getting these national hunt-bred French horses, and Willie Mullins has been excelling with those. Willie has won three of the last four runnings of the Triumph Hurdle. I think he'll win it again this season, but we shall see. Uh, Gordon has won two of the last ten, and Nicky's won two of the last ten. So they're the guys you're looking at in terms of who is going to supply the winner. All eyes on Sergino this weekend. You think he'll beat Burdett Road, but the jumping needs to improve. Um, and that'll be a second run after a wind up. Let's move on. The Gigginstown owned Stormheart. It was very impressive at Punchestown on his hurdling debut. There was a moment in this race where he, a horse made a mistake. He runs into the back of him and that could have been a disaster. But in the blink of an eye, he's just run r- right away from them. Um, and the market was then assuming that, oh, he's number one. That's not how Willie has been talking. He's not putting anybody off the horse by any means. He's just really emphasizing, I've got a lot of good juvenile hurdlers. Where does Stormheart rank for you? It's it's very... There's two ways of looking at this. One hand, you've got the Stormheart who won Punchestown. I mean, Racing Post ratings gave him 132, which would put him a pound behind Burdett Road. I mean, that alone is is superb. I mean, I, I love to do time comparisons on the same day. And so we had a good example that day because the Gerhard ran in the in like a conditions hurdle. Yeah. Maybe a bit further. But if you if you were to time them from the second last to the line, Stormheart is pretty much bang on four seconds quicker than Sir Gerhard. Now admittedly he starts behind him. But I still take the view Sir Gerhard is it was a Cheltenham Festival winner. He's probably a grade two, bottom of grade one kind of hurdle prospect going to run in the stairs. And on his hurdles debut, Stormheart was able to run a better time than him from two out to the line. So on that front, you're thinking, blimey, this thing's got a lot of ability. And I think personally, I would like to see Stormheart run at the DRF and I hope they front run with him because he's got loads of experience on the flat. He had five runs on the flat for Philip Sigurd. Got to a rating of 37 kilos, which would be sort of, 80 to 82. His win came at Mont de Marsan over 12 furlongs. You know, the horse he beat in second, he put six lengths between himself and Shelby. Shelby is a genuine 80 horse. He's won a couple of nice races in Spain, albeit that's probably at a lower level. But the other thing I would say with him is when you look at Stormheart's breeding, his dam won three times on the flat. She was a decent flat horse. His granddam had a go over hurdle. She was zero from five. I think his flat experience probably means... That really helped him on his debut. And I just wonder how much improvement there is to come. Mm. But 
I also think that flat experience could mean he runs a big race at the DRF because he's got a lot more experience of the track than some of these others. And he's very professional. As you said, he sort of goes in the back of another horse, but it, it doesn't, it, you know, there are some horses that would blow their brains for him. It's just, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing and you can't, you can't really fault him. I mean, that, that was a big debut performance. If the racing post ratings that's to be believed, then he should be right there. I've noticed at the moment he's the favourite for the spring juvenile hurdle. Probably that market's not mature enough yet to suggest it's a, a stable viewpoint as well. But he deserves his place at the DRF. I think if he finishes in the first three, he'll go to the Triumph. I guess the only stick I could maybe beat him with is he's a very nice flat horse, but he got to his limit. He had five runs. He eventually won at Mont de Marsan. But I just would worry for him as kind of if the triumph hurdle needs you to run to 100 and say 150 perhaps would normally be enough to be in the finish at a triumph hurdle is he capable of doing that i'm not sure i don't think there's a stone or two stone of improvement to come i think he's going to run well at the drf and i think that's where he'll peak this is boding well for the horse that i like for this race because maybe this means this is the one you think is willie mullins number one uh, and so in this way, I'm going to look super clever. Of course, you could also just completely crush me right now and say, nah. Um, as as we come along to, this is the fun thing about not talking about this beforehand. So, bunting. Oh, you've got a good mm. poker face. So I don't know if this, oh, I don't like that though. I don't like that. Mm. Um, so, so he's going to be second run. I believe, I believe he's headed to the Dublin Racing Festival as well. We should point out, if you really like one of the horses that Willie is going to run in the Spring Juvenile Hurdle, or Gordon, for that matter, um, or Joseph, you need to back that horse before the DRF. Understanding that your bet could be a busted flush straight away to go with another poker term, um, because if you get beaten, you're probably, like Lassie Mouth, she was beaten, but very unlucky. Uh, Tiger Roll was beaten in the Spring Juvenile Hurdle before going on to win the Triumph. So defeat does not preclude you from winning the Triumph Hurdle. I loved this fella's debut performance for Willie at Limerick. It was on soft, heavy ground. His form in France was on soft, heavy ground as well. Pulled away from the field that day to go and win. I don't think there was a whole lot said about the fact that it doesn't take an enormous amount of money to move the market anymore the night before, but he was a significantly shorter price on the day than he was the night before. So that suggests stable confidence. The fact that it was Limerick and under Sean O'Keefe and not Paul Townend at Leopardstown means there wasn't as many eyeballs on him and maybe not as many people were talking about him, but there was a bit of chatter about this fellow beforehand. I asked Patrick Mullins about him on this very show, and he said they'd worked him in the Curra and they like him. But that was then. This is now. What do you think of Bunting? Well, firstly, I mean, he's, Tony Bloom doesn't make bad decisions, would be one. But I would, I mean, for me, Bunting, I look at the debut at Fontainebleau and you think, well, he won by seven lengths and he missed the break. You know, this was a flat maiden. He missed the break. He's bustled to get back into position. And then he just... When they get to the two furlong pole, Fontainebleau's got a run-in of about three and a half furlongs up the straight. And it was, it was the ground is officially described by France Gallup as very soft, 3.8 on the penetrometer. But there was a lot of rain that day. So I think we're looking more at soft, heavy in places. You know, we're, we're getting towards that way. And he's absolutely hammered them. Now, he surprised his connections because he was 38 on the PMU for his debut. But when you look at that form... You know, he's beaten some good horses. The horse in second, De Florio, he's now rated the equivalent of 83. He's won three races in Switzerland. The third is Salawi, who's a 103-rated group-placed flat horse. And Bunting has absolutely sideswiped him. Like, 
it just pushed him out of the way like he wasn't there. He, I, I just wonder with Bunting in the long term whether they've got dual purpose plans with him because oh. I don't, I don't think that's the plan right now. I think the triumph hurdle is what he was bought for, but I just wonder in time if they might look at him and look at his pedigree and think we could maybe have a little swing on the flat here as well and see where we get. But I mean, the race at Limerick. I don't think you can fault him. I'm not sure he beat a great deal, but his, his flat speed definitely got there and he had a lot of power when he needed it over the last two. Racing post ratings game 116. I think maybe you would say that's a little cautious. I mean, he might be a 120, but he's got work to do with the others. But that's it. He's had one run. He's another one who's going to go. I mean, I wouldn't want to be Paul Townend making this pick at the DRF. No. I think the way I would play bunting if I was keen, which there are others I'm keener on, but if I was going to play bunting, I would be have a little bit of filth, as my grandfather would say, and I would go and find the non-runner no-bet concession with it, whichever firm has got him, and I would back him non-runner no-bet for the triumph because if he goes to the DRF and he bombs out, I don't think he'll have... Willie, I think Willie would take the view he probably isn't going to win the triumph in which case we'll wait for Fairy House, aim tree punches down, and we won't go. Because he's only had one run, the DRF will be his second run. I don't think there'd be time to get him handicapped for the Boodles because you need three runs for a mark there. Mm. So I think, particularly if they have in the back of their heads, as I do, that he might be a, a dual-purpose prospect as well, I think it's win or bust at the DRF. I think he's got to finish in the first three or four, otherwise he won't go, in which case I'd want the non-runner no bet for your bet, Emmett. So to clarify, this is your first round of William Mullins Bingo on the Final Forum podcast, and you are recommending to our listeners and now viewers on YouTube a scumbag each way bet on bunting. Oh, I, I am a scumbag. If you like, I'll show you my state man each way bet and each way Trixie. I'm quite happy to take a bit of each way or a bit of a bit of non-runner no bet. But I have to take the non-runner no bet for any horse that isn't going to have three runs by the time they get to chill. Because if they haven't had three runs, they can't run in the boodles. Therefore, yeah. they've got to run in the triumph. And although Willie runs a lot in the triumph, he's got so many horses in his in his yard that if he entered all of them, there'd be two divisions of the triumph. So he's got to make that kind of decision. And I think Bunting will definitely run at the DRF because they need to know. The other thing they probably need to find out is, can he do it on better ground? Because his yes. flat run was on soft ground. Limerick at Christmas is a bog. So what happens if he gets involved at Leopardstown where it drains much better? Does he have the speed to go with them if it's a quicker ground? Because I think Cheltenham on the Friday is highly unlikely to be any worse than good to soft. Should point out that time form they have them a fair way down their rankings as things stand they've got them on 136p as opposed to sergino for example who's 151p they also say heavy ground at limerick soft ground in france so they would very yeah. much concur with you i am of the mindset to just jump to cargizi we will come to highwind okay. the reason i would jump to her is because she is top rated by time form she's got 161 no p no plus that's the rating they've given her she's also pretty highly rated by the Racing Post. Uh, Burdett Road is in there. So for the, the purposes of the Spring Juvenile Hurdle, they've given Burdett Road a 147. He's not going to go for that. Calicanti then comes out on top for them. Then Stormheart. Then Cargizi. It was a filly for Kenny Alexander. Made her, her debut on Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day, behind Calicanti under Danny Mullins. Similar to Gallo Marceau, but got a whole lot closer than Gallo Marceau did to Lossy Mouth and was being beaten by a horse who, to be fair had experience for Gordon Elliott. So where does she rank for you? I think 
she's the best that Willie's got. That would be my view of Kargisi. Um Stop press goes and places scumbag each First thing, the thing I would say is she's got experience in France. And I like, if they come from France, I like them to have jumped hurdles. Because if they've jumped hurdles in France, they've been schooled in France since they were two-year-olds. They've got loads of jumping experience, so you don't need to worry about that. She won by five lengths on debut. She's already won a grade three, the pre again. The French handicapper gave her a rating, an official rating of 68 kilos. Now, since 2022... The BHA has converted French ratings at two pounds per kilo. So that means on that system, she'd be given an official rating of 136. Right now, Burdett Road has an official rating of 137. She's got a seven pound mayor's allowance. You can do the maths and tell if it was a handicap, she'd be well in. But for me, I think she's got experience. I love her attitude. If you go work and watch her win in the grade three pre Sagan. You know, this is a filly who's like, who wants to win. After the last, she's asked for an effort and it comes. Now, I have my reservations about the race at Christmas. She was second to Carla Conti. The overall time was slow. The final circuit was the slowest on the card by six seconds. So it massively favoured the horses who raced more prominently. Cargisi was the fastest horse on the day from the second last to the line, 45.28 seconds. She was even quicker than King of Kingsfield, who absolutely tanked through a maiden hurdle. I have a, a massive alarm bell ringing, though, which was why on earth was she keen? She's got experience of the track. I watched her, her wins in France. There's no sign of keenness. In the pre again, she's settled in midfield. They're going too slowly. So at halfway, she's pushed forwards. She races on her own down the centre of the track. She hits the front three out. At no point is she lit up. She's never keen. She's settled perfectly. What I'm hoping is it was just a bit of freshness. First run for Willie, new surroundings, new track, new hurdles. If she settles, I think she's got a massive chance. And although I'm yet to have a serious bet for the triumph, I've got to back her before she goes to the DRF because I think she'll improve massively. And I think in a truly run race, she'll see her settle and there'll be no problems. And if she wins at the DRF, she'll be favourite. Absolutely. Whatever wins at the DRF will be favourite for the Triumph. And it's just a question of getting that guess right. But I think if you've got Willies to line all of his up in a hurdles race at Close Sutton, she'd win. Damn. And two of Willie's winners of this race were Phillies as well. Of course, yeah. obviously, lost him out last season. At the time uh, on St. Stephen's Day, I was thinking this is almost a carbon copy of Galar Mousseau. She's almost been cloned and brought back for this race. But the the keenness angle wasn't something that I was aware of. I wasn't aware that that wasn't something she had displayed in France and, and now is something uh, that she has displayed. She'll need to knock that off because if she's going to win at the DRF, she can't do that again. She might get very lucky and get away with it at the DRF because Willie's got so many, something's got to make it a truly run race. What I'd be more concerned about is... If she was keen again, that would be enough to stop me backing her for Cheltenham or certainly to make me consider laying it off or cashing out because that's a very long run in at Cheltenham, especially on the new course. And I just think she would pay for being keen if she was. You'd also have to bear in mind the DRF is busy, but it's nothing compared to the 75,000 at Cheltenham on Gold Cup Day. There's a lot of things to light up a four-year-old filly. It's, there's so much ability there. I'm so convinced that she is lossy mouth mark two, but they have got to get her to settle. Now it might happen because if you watch Lossy Mouth's debut, she was keen as anything and she still won. 
So, yeah. you know, that I don't mind them being keen and enthusiastic, but there is a point, as you said, that's kind of the more she pulls, the harder it's going to be for her. And if she does it again at the DRF, I'll just walk away. And if she wins, I'll take my medicine. But right now, if I had to have a bet for the triumph, it would be her because I think she's got massive improvement. And there's no way Willie will allow it to be a slowly run race again. Yeah, Something and he had, he had four runners in the DRF at the DRF for the Spring Juvenile Hurdle two years ago. He had six runners in it last year. And he's arguably got an even stronger team this year. So it's going to be a big team for Willie. Well, um, let's also not forget last year's race when he ran a horse called Jeu de Fay. Oh, who, my God. You know, that, that, that worked out really well for you, Willie, didn't it? Took out the horse who had so much in hand, she came out and won the triumph. So it's, I think there will be this year, he will still have the same number of runners, but I'd imagine each jockey will be specifically told, this is what you do, this is the pecking order, and if your horse is beat, don't you dare get in the way of something else. Yeah, you can sink back through the field like a stone, yeah. but don't take out your owner, stable companion, mate, in the process. That was yeah. that was and not Pat good. Patrick and Danny, if you get into a mess again, you're both leaving the yard. So that'll be the approach, you know. That's that's got to be that. This is the problem when he has so many, and they're all have got they're all unexposed. They haven't run against each other. He, he, you know, I'd imagine if Willie was honest, he'd say, "I don't know what the pecking order is right now." I've got loads well, of horses with ones and twos and threes next to their name. They could be anything. Yeah, the great thing about him is he pretty much does say that. And and I think that yeah. there's then I think there's then an attitude from people who who think, ah, he does know, he just doesn't want to tell us. Genuinely think he doesn't. This horse is fourteen to one for the Triumph Hurdle. Like if yeah. if you want to follow Adam's expertise here, you've and I certainly am, you've got to be taking that fourteens. Now, if she goes and wins and you don't like how keen she was, and something is a say Stormheart is a fast finishing second, and in the moment you're thinking uh, that's not going to work at Cheltenham. Well, you can cash out for a profit almost certainly. Um, that would be that would definitely be my angle. I and I looked at the two prices. She's I think when I looked this morning, she was seven to one to win the Spring Juvenile. Yeah, and she's fourteen for the Trump. So I won't back her for both because then I'm going to shoot my bolt both times if she blows her head off and finishes out the bat and pulls up. So I took the view, if she wins the, D the DRF, I think she'll be fours for the triumph, seven to two if she wins impressively, maybe even threes. Therefore, I may as well just take the 14s because there's nowhere else she's going to go. Willie is not going to run a four-year-old in the Mayor's Novice Hurdle because he's never done it. So he's not going to break that tradition. She's, she's had three, four runs now. This will be her fifth. He's not going to run a filly in the Boodles. His record in that is not that great, and I don't think he's going to run a filly in it. So the only race for is the triumph. So unless she absolutely blows her brains out at the DRF, she is going to run at the triumph, whether she wins, finishes second, third, fourth, because he's got nowhere else to go. He may as well run it, and she's got a £7 allowance. So I took the view, if I back her at 14 for the triumph, I'm going to get a run for my money. If she goes close enough, but she's keen, I can still get out if I want to. And I just think of all the horses here, her bubble is the least likely to be burst. So therefore, I want whatever anti-post bet I try and have, and I've learned this lesson over many, many years, but whatever anti-post bet I have these days, I want to get a run for my money. Or I want to know I don't need that much to happen to get my money back. So therefore, I wouldn't back her each way. I'm not one of these sort of 
I don't really want to get involved in each way because I'm going to lose double my stake if it goes wrong horribly. But I just think she's 14s right now. If she wins at the DRF, she'll be favourite. I can get out that way. If she goes close at the DRF, she'll still run in the triumph and I'll have a runner for my money. And as, as lot of just the keenness is is kind of that nagging doubt in the back of my head, that little voice that's going, why was she keen? And I looked back at my notes and yeah. thought she wasn't keen or toy. So this morning I watched back the priest again, the grade three she won, and she wasn't keen there either. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is a little bit like, what, what caused that? But maybe it was just the fact that they went so slow and she was just itching to go faster because actually having been keen, once the race got going when they jumped the second last, she was the fastest horse on the entire card from the second last of the line. Now, to have the ability to do that, having still pulled really hard, I think I'll give her a pass and I'll hope that at the DRF she shows who I think she really is. Well, I'm obliged to then ask you about another uh, ex-French horse, Calacanti, because there was an awful lot of talk about her uh, before her debut at Navin, which you know, she's a million to one on and we didn't really learn a whole lot about her. Then she comes unstuck against Nuremberg Ring at Fairy House, but back in the winner's enclosure. Where does she rank for you? She's good. I mean, the, the debut, I think, was a three or four runner race at a stupid price, and it's sort of like, they're the kind of races you can't, you just put a line through. But I don't really worry about the Nürburgring defeat because the one thing about that Fairy House race is she's been in a race this season. She's been in a proper race with a driving finish, and she's shown a good attitude. I think she was massively favoured by the way the race panned out at Leopardstown, but she still won. She still mm. held on. You can't really, there's no way of knocking her. There's no way of looking at this horse and thinking, oh, you know, she's not good enough. Are they going to improve past her? But for me, I guess I just worry with, with her. I just think we're kind of, I know roughly where she is. I would give her a rating of around 140 or so on the time form scale, 140, 145. So, but I don't think when we get to Punchestown in May, I won't be looking at Carla Conti thinking she's definitely going to win the Mayors next year or she's going to run in the champion hurdle. I think I'll be looking at her and thinking this is what she is. Okay. And so whilst I think she'll run a race here and I think she'll run a race at Cheltenham if she goes, I just, I'd look at her and think, are you re is there another stone to come? I don't know. Not sure there is. I think she's experienced now. She's been in a race. She's got a great attitude. Nice, straightforward horse. But I don't think there's tons of improvement to come. Whereas with Cargacy, I can make a massive case for improvement. I'd be inclined to think that she's a nice horse, sets a good standard. It'll be really interesting to see what she does in the spring juvenile. She doesn't interest me for the triumph hurdle. I could be completely wrong, in which case possibly passing up a very nice horse, but I'm, I'm with you on that. On Cargacy, I noted that she was wearing a tongue tie in France. Hasn't in, in Ireland. That wouldn't really explain why she was keen, but is it something that you're looking to be reapplied? Does it bother you in any way? I, I don't I don't look at tongue ties. I think tongue ties are just something trainers put on. If if they suddenly rolled around in blinkers and cheek pieces, I'd be walking away. But mm. tongue ties just you know, it, it is what it is. It's not a wind off. It's just something that sometimes they put on, sometimes they don't. I, I'm yet to be convinced that a tongue tie brings out any improvement whatsoever. There are some horses who greatly benefit from it. Van Ottery, the horse back in the day in the Queen of the Champion Chase that was excelling in a tongue tie. And for whatever reason, his former trainer, still owner, told Paul Nichols, oh, don't worry, I've got the entry sorted, Paul, don't worry about it. Didn't enter him with the tongue tie declared and the horse ran a nice race. But Paul was saying he would have basically won had the tongue tie been on. 
Anyway, Audrey Turley is going to have a big day on Gold Cup Day. Gallop on Deschamps will bid to become the ninth multiple winner of the Gold Cup in the 100th running of the race. And assuming he's won at the Irish Gold Cup, then he's going to be odds-on favourite to do that. She won the Triumph Hurdle a few years ago, of course, with Burning Victory in a race that the Moors do not want to be reminded of. Where does High Wind rank for you, son of Zarak, who was certainly impressive the other day? Yeah, he's sort of come from left field, really, in terms of... If you'd said to me in September, give me a Triumph 1-2-3, High Wind would have been nowhere near it. But suddenly, when I sort of started looking, I'd never really... He was on my list of horses that I knew were in the yard, but I'd never really looked at him in so much detail. But actually, when you really start to look at him, he was very smart on the flat. He had an official rating, the equivalent of 88. He's by Zarak, which alone should be an indicator this is a good horse because he is the coming sire. And yeah. last year, if you read my blog last year, I'll hold my hands up and say there's a post that I wrote about Zarek the Brave when I said he hasn't got the minerals to make into a decent hurdler. You don't need to make him. <laughs> Something to those I effects. love that phrase, by the way. <laughs> That's a Guy Ritchie phrase. He's not got the minerals, son. Well, it's something someone said to me. And I thought, yeah, because actually if you watch his flat, Zarek the Brave's flat form in France, you'd think, oh, he's a dodgepot. He doesn't do it when it matters. And then he went into Willie's. I duly laid him on his debut. That went well to say that when he came back on the bridle, I had this sudden feeling of, I'm going to delete the Twitter app for a couple of hours. But it was <laughs> just kind of like, you know, and, 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 you know, he didn't make the triumph, unfortunately, but he won the Galway hurdle. So my opinion in, as, of Zarek has now changed that he's not just a good flat sire. He's a great sire of solid three and four year olds and high winders proved that he used his flat experience to win at punches down. Yeah, there was an error. There's a bit, he did a lot wrong. He didn't look that clued up, but to win how he did, you can't, you can't really knock him. Yes, there are definitely other juveniles who've achieved more, but I'd also think you'd look at that high wind debut and think there's so much more to come. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this is the kind of horse that I'd be looking at and thinking he may not win at the DRF. The experience may be needed, but down the line, he's the kind of horse that I'd look at and think, he could go well in a triumph at a double-figure price. He could also be the other kind of horse that they look at and think the more he runs, the better he gets. And maybe there's, I think there's a race at Fairy House for him. There's a race at Punchestown. There's Aintree. Whether, the, whether they, they've got so many that I'm kind of, the, the game of bingo is beyond a joke. But High Wind, I would say, has got at least another stone of improvement in him this season. Because that debut was just, he was good on the flat, but he took his form to another level because the amount of mistakes he makes, the way he's running, you think, oh, it's the kind of thing that I'd have probably thought you might want to lay him in running here because he doesn't look that comfortable, but just the engine is there, the ability is there. And it, he has really surprised me. I wasn't expecting to be discussing him as a triumph hurdle contender. And if he improves again at the DRF, he definitely will be. Yeah, he's certainly a very intriguing one. And it looks like there's improvement to come. He wore headgear a few times in the flat, but on his final start in France, they'd left it off and I think there's an argument to be said he should have finished for, should have finished closer that day um, no headgear for Willie Mullins on debut they can always call for it but it doesn't look like he needs it uh, at the moment a very very interesting one uh, there's a couple of horses that we haven't seen yet and yeah. this is becoming a bit of a habit with Willie Mullins where he's even had horses make their debut for him in the Triumph Hurdle if I remember correctly didn't Ilete Tant make his debut at the DRF in grade one company and then go straight to the triumph hurdle. He's not afraid to throw the, the juvenile hurdlers who have experience from France in at the deep end in, uh, in Britain and Ireland. But Marlborough, owned by JP. So Frankie Tightlips will be coming after you if you say a little bit too much here. But, um, 
He doesn't Obviously, have safe. Not yet, he doesn't. Uh, but JP <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> Frankie's got his ways. Ah, my joysy muscle. It's so good to see you. Did you have a nice flight, Johnny Tight Lips? I ain't saying nothing. I understand. How is your mother? Oh, hey, who says I have a mother? JP's taken the, the Triumph Hurdle twice in recent years with Ivanovich Gorbachev. How did he beat Apple's Jade, by the way? Uh, and Defi Desoy. Where does this fellow rank for you amongst the juvenile hurdlers? Well, I mean, he's the, the first words I've written down about him when I was in the notes for this show was he literally could be anything. And I know not everyone's a fan of that phrase, but that to me describes a horse that could be anything between 110 and 170. I heard Ruby say that he thinks he's the best looking four-year-old in the yard. I'm no paddock judge, so I don't know what that means. But Ruby obviously knows what he's talking about. And just if you look at the way they went about, they, they went and bought him and... The form of his win in France in the pre-Grand Act is excellent. The time was nothing special, but the form is superb. The horse in second would now be rated 130. The third has gone three-year-old chasing. The fourth has won is rated 124. The fifth has been sold to Ireland. In sixth was Batman Girac, who some people will tell you is this superstar is going to win the boodles we might get time to get to him the seventh is one he's 122 rated and the horse who was ninth and being out of sight is rated 117 and he's one that form has worked out really well but the pre-grand act is just one of those races that throws up great horses it's just a good trial it's at the right time of year you don't get the early precocious ones it's a couple of months into the autoy season but i look back at the recent runnings of the pre-grand act has included bo zenith who's Gary Moore's smart horse from last year, Blood Destiny, Porticello, who was a grade one winner for the Moors, Kel Destan, who's with Paul Nichols, Ajas was in that race, who was the horse Rachel Blackmore rode in the Grand Stephen of Paris eventually, On the Go, Frodon, Maracuja, Je saint Eloir. This race has got a serious pedigree. So I'd imagine... In my head, I imagine that Frank Berry reads this kind of thing and the JP have got this sort of power team in a bunker somewhere that does all this kind of study but i just wonder if they looked at the pre-grand act and thought this is a race we want to watch and then they watched it and they saw madgeborough win and thought hello this is a good horse and they've got him he's won a race so they've, they've got no novice status to protect they've got to have a go surely at some point he could be anything i, I honestly don't know i don't know if that prize for the triumph is good bad ugly who knows he is another one that if I was, if there was confidence behind him for the DRF, and if we get there on the day and he's fours or fives, he's another one that you could have a really sleazy non-runner no bet <laughs> approach to the triumph hurdle with because he's only had one run. That you know they're not going to they're not going to go to boodles with a horse of this quality. He'll either run well at the DRF and they'll have a go, or he won't. So you could have certainly make a case, and I could make a. Uh, I guess this is how I'd describe him probably if I had to put it in a soundbite. In two years' time, he might be a champion hurdle contender or he might be with Ben Haslam. And I don't know what that's going to be. Like, I just don't. I, can't, I cannot put a figure on this form. The French form checks out. He hasn't been seen since. He could be anything. He just could. I don't know. I don't know. I can't back him. I can't lay him. I, I, I just, one run, the form's worked out really well. The race has a great pedigree. I could definitely see why people would want to back him. And if JP decides to unload the clips at the DRF, then that would probably suggest that they think he's even better. 
But who knows? He just you don't. This is one of the problems with having experience in France is great, but when you've got one run with a powerhouse owner, what do you know? And you just don't know. This could be absolutely anything. But I wouldn't well, put one- anyone backing him. The only thing I would say is get the non-runner no bet. Because if it goes wrong, you'll get your money back. That's a brilliant line, by the way. That's a line that's going to be stolen by people for Cheltenham preview nights, possibly even by me. One of the things that I, I found very intriguing about it is where he's come from. So his trainer in France has linked up with Willie Mullins in the past to supply Capadano, Zenta, both for JP, and one JP missed out on, Stateman. And trainers are a creature of habit, and if you build up a good enough relationship they will ring their fellow counterparts, like the point-to-point trainers in Ireland. They've got deals existing with Willie Mullins, Henry de Bromhead, Gordon Elliott, Gavin Cromwell. That's why those boys have got such a, a tight grip on the best Irish point-to-pointers. And if the British want to get their hands on them, you're going to have to pay way over the odds to get them. Um, and it will be the same in France as well. So is this Zenta 2.0, a grade one winner at Aintree? It remains to be seen as the NAM. Another one, and I'm sure I'm after butchering that pronunciation, as Anzadam. Anzadam. Hey! Really interesting horse. He's with the Donnellys, who have got a multiple-pronged attack on the Triumph this year. He's won two runs, two wins, one at Bordeaux. Forms all right, not too bad. Then he goes to Compiègne. Really good time figure. Fastest final circuit on the day. Fastest from the second last to the line. Does it all on the bridle, jumps the last, the jockey shakes him up, and then he looks around after three strides and realises, oh, actually, I don't need to shake him up. We're going to win this at a canter. Now, the Racing Post ratings gave him 105 for that rating, for that race. And I, I love Racing Post ratings for UK and Irish racing, which is the system they were built for. Sometimes with French racing, you get a rating that the form book would suggest isn't quite right. So he's never off the bit. The horse in second has a rating of 130, the equivalent of 136. And he gave him three kilos. You know, there's loads of form there. The the third is a good horse. The fourth won a chase at Autoy next time around. I mean, he's another one who could be anything. But the key is, all of these horses, they've won races in France. So there's no novice status to protect. There's no point holding on. You may as well have a go and find out what you've got because you've got a four-year-old who can't run in a novice hurdle next season. So you've got to find out. I'd imagine he's another one who's going to go to the DRF. But this is the difference with this one. He's had two runs over hurdles in France. So if he runs at the DRF and... He could get a mark. So it's interesting, I thought, with Amsterdam, and he has moved a little bit in the market. He's 20s with most firms for the Triumph, 16s with the firms that are non-runner no bet, but he's 10s for the Boodles this morning with bet 365. And I just wonder with him, let's say he finished fifth at the DRF, showed a bit of promise, but probably wasn't quite up to the grade one level and up to the Phillies. The BHA would look at a little bit of his French form. They'd look at the run at the DIF, and he'd probably get a rating between 133 and 136. Something like that would be my guess. And I just wonder if they'd look at that and think, we could, if the DRF would suggest that he's going to be an also run in the Triumph, the Donnellys have got Sergino. I can't really think of a horse the Donnellys have got for the Boodles. Why wouldn't they have a go, particularly if they get a decent mark? 
albeit that we should acknowledge that Willie's record in the Boodles is not great. Like Risk Bell ran okay for him in in the Boodles last season and then has subsequently proved that she's just better than that. The obvious one, the horse that I'm sure is still giving you nightmares and you're still getting therapy over. So maybe it's best that you just cover your ears for a second, as I say. No, no, no. Bill. You can say his name because he's lovely. So we'll... I forgive okay. the horse. I'll never forgive town. This, this isn't... <laughs> So it's not going to trigger you. You're not going to have PTSD no, when no, I say no, 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 no. Gaelic Warrior. Yeah. Oh, he's all right. He's okay. He got beat off a mark of 129. Firstly, I mean, how, how did he even get the mark of 129? But, you know, we're fair play. But, you know, it happens. I'd, if he'd been beaten in that race by a four-year-old Constitution Hill, I'd have got over it. He got beat by a four-year-old Brazil. But that's life. <laughs> Another one I'd point to actually a few years earlier is a horse called Voir de Rev, who was... Oh, God, that's one that triggers me. Uh, Graham Wiley's horse. Yeah, and I I think it was Ruby. I will need to look that up because it's... It was Ruby. He was swinging away on the bridle. He had the race. He came came down. You know, so Willie could... You could be... You'd definitely make a case that Willie could have two extra Boodles winners in the last 10 years with a bit more luck. So let's not worry too much about that. And I think That's you also have to acknowledge now that Willie Mullins loves French three-year-old prospects. The yard in the last few years has been full of them. And yeah. as much as we all say, oh, he's going to have four or five in the triumph, great. Let's say he has seven in the triumph. He's still got three or four candidates for the Boodles, all of which would <laughs> would have a realistic chance. So Amsterdam... If I was really, if I was pricing it, which race will he run in at the festival if he goes? I would say it's four to seven he runs in the Boodles. And I would say it's, I don't know, two to one that he runs maybe in the in the Triumph and then the difference that he doesn't go. It, obviously, if he finishes in the first three at the DRF, he'll go the Triumph. If he doesn't, I think he'll go the Boodles. And I think there's a lot more ability than that RPR of 105 would suggest. Certainly the times and the way he went through his races would suggest that he's much better than that. Time for him to take a very different view. They give him 147p, which reads much higher, uh, obviously. But just to put it in context, Stormheart is on 155p. They value that French form a whole lot more. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does at, at the DRF. I'm also reminded Ethical Diamond is currently a 33 to one shot for the Spring Juvenile Hurdle, indeed. And... Um, I'm sure it was racing TV that Willie was doing an interview for. Could have been McGarry uh, or possibly Johnny Ward. And he was being asked about his juvenile hurdlers. And he said, oh, well, if you'd asked me going into Christmas, I'd have said Ethical Diamond was my best. So just further em- exemplifying that he's got a lot of strength and depth and isn't quite sure which of them is, is the best. Let me give you, I use my own rating system which I've built from kind of getting standard times and standard final circuit times for certain ages. I won't go into the, the science of the Excel sheet because I will be honest and say I wrote it down on a piece of paper and my wife built it. But what I will say is Sir Gino, I have him running to a figure of 94 when he won at Autoy. And I have Anzadam running at 86. So he's a little bit behind Sir Gino, but, but that would also make allowance for the fact that Anzadam won at Bordeaux and Compiègne and he beat smaller fields than the big field wild monarch race that Sergino won. But there is, he's had two runs over hurdles. He's won them both. He can't, I'm a great believer that I want to stick with this kind of horse until he gets beaten. Because once he gets beaten, that'll tell me what he is. Okay. I'm even more intrigued now. 
Um, but it's a great point to make that Willie Mullins' fifth string in the Triumph Hurdle would probably be favourite for the Boodles. Well, if you uh, think about last year, you know, he, he absolutely dominated the Triumph, but he could easily have looked at the the Boodles and thought, you know what, with something like Zenta, you know, if they'd have campaigned her differently and got her a handicap mark, they could have had a go at that. I think we could all agree she might have gone close. J- Jazzy Matty was a long-term plan for the Boodles. Yeah. If you believe the hype last in September of that season, Jazzy Matty made his debut at Ortoy, and there were all these rumours that Gordon's already got him organised, that Gordon's flown over in a helicopter to watch his debut, and it's like, I haven't seen a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Equidia cameras might have picked up multiple grade one winning trainer Gordon Elliott in the small crowd at Ortoy. Just that that would have been a talking point. There are, there are lots of reasons to, to look at the French form and to take these things into account, but what, what I would look at is I think the Boodles winner is going to need a bit of experience, but I also think Willie might look at the horses he's got and think, I want more than one start at the Boodles now. Before we wrap up, there's a couple of horses that I want to talk to you about. One of them is one of the most blatantly obvious horses because it seems as though everybody thinks this horse is going to win the Boodles. And as you rightly point out, maybe Willie Mullins should have won that race by now, so we should stop saying he's got a terrible record. Maybe with um, a bit more of a, the rub of the green, he'd be a dual winner of that race. But uh, Batman Jurak. So this is another mm-hmm. horse I was asking Patrick about. Uh, and he was also saying about this fellow that they'd taken him to the car for a gallop. They liked him. Uh, he looked awful at Ferry House. Now, something must have been wrong that day because that couldn't possibly have been his true running. He then turns up uh, on Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day at Leopardstown. Ran better, but enough to be... Not exactly backing him for a triumph, which is a massive price. But the race that everyone is intrigued for him uh, about is the Boodles. Where does he rank on your ratings, and what do you think of him overall? Well, it's, it's really difficult to tell. I mean, on debut, he was beaten soundly by Madgeborough. But I can forgive anything being beaten on debut. And he was certainly, he was ridden on debut like it was a sort of, let's have a bit of an education and see where we get. Then he won at... Compiègne, he won by three lengths. The ground was pretty heavy. He was always in command that day. But one thing I will point out in that race is it wasn't the deepest. And there was a Simon Munir and Isaac Suede horse called Keep On, who was a non-runner. Didn't turn up. So I ju- And that would have that did have a bit of an effect on, on the market. And I just wonder, maybe he was slightly flattered by winning a relatively weak contest at Compiègne on heavy ground. Then he goes to Ireland... And I, I guess the, the thing for me was I looked at the ferry out race, thought, well, he's, you know, he's seven to four fav. You know, they obviously someone in the Mullins yard thought this thing's got a bit of ability because you had the likes of Carla Conti and, and others that they could compare at least notes with in terms of what they looked at. And he just didn't run his race. And then they go to Leopardstown at Christmas. And I don't want to say it's schooling in public, but it was close to it. At no point, to my eye, was he ever likely to win that race. No. And then, and the reason I think the Boodles, I think there's two reasons. Firstly, I think he's had four runs. So he's one of the few horses at this stage in the Mullins yard who are qualified for the Boodles. And then obviously they did the old thing where like, we'll give him a handicap entry in the UK. We've got no intention of running, but it forces <laughs> the BHA to put a mark on it. I don't know. Is it, I think, I think it's Martin Wright saying his mark is one, three, three. I'm yet to be convinced he's run to a mark of 133 in the four races of his career. But this is also 
we have to bear in mind that this is with the probably the greatest national hunt trainer of all time. Yeah. And there is a possibility that something went wrong at Fairy House. They don't know what. They then decided, right, we've had three runs. We're not going to win the triumph with this one. Let's just get him ready for the boodles. So we'll get we'll, we'll go to Leopardstown at Christmas, make sure that he gets around the track and everything goes fine. And away we go. Would I back him as the current favourite for the Boodles? No. I think I could make enough of a case that he isn't as well handicapped as he looks. I can only judge him on the form he's achieved. So if they are sitting on a horse with £15 in hand, fair enough. Good for them. They've obviously executed this plot superbly. And if he bolts up in the Boodles, there'll be all the shrewdies going, I got on at the right price. I spotted he was a Boodles entry. I, I think... I, I could probably name four or five that I'd be much more interested in for the Boodles than him at the current prices. But equally, if you do fancy him for the Boodles, you've got to back him now. Back him anti-post because on the day, the Boodles will be six places and you will find that is a Willie Mullins horse. There's no way on earth he goes off 15 to two if he runs in this race. He's got to be shorter because everyone wants to be part of that Mullins gamble. And with each way yeah. on offer as well, the bookies will shrink him in so that he's not a particular each way loser. I, I don't know. I, I haven't backed him myself. I can't decide whether he's just a badly handicapped talking horse like bad was a year ago in the boodles, or is he one that they're sitting on? He's one or the other. It's funny you say that because I was just reminding myself, I was taken by the whole bad thing last year, really yeah. taken in by that, particularly when Rachel gets booked. You're just thinking, Oh, this is a plot. This is, and the machine starts to kick in. He was talked about in all the Cheltenham preview nights. No one talks about that horse anymore. No one does. He was just very useful for that narrative as a dark plot horse. And I, I think you've summed that up perfectly. He seems to be the horse who's filling that role this season, Sorry. Batman Jirak. And, and look, if if I'm wrong about that, then and you're wrong about that, then fair enough. But we're talking about a horse who's 15 to 2. You're the French racing expert. You go through this form way in more way more detail than anybody else does or at least than most people do and you're not convinced by what you've seen so far to suggest that this is a bet at those prices i haven't i mean i i can only go on the form he's run he was sixth in what looked a good renewal of the pre-grand act but he was sixth beaten quite a long way and i just look at his compiègne form and i think the second hasn't run since the third if that was in the uk would have a bha rating of 106. So suddenly I'm looking at that and thinking, where's this 133 come from? Yeah. Very out, he's bombed out. And at Leopardstown, they haven't tried. So what, what, what is he? Allegedly. I don't know. And if I'm going to have a bet in a handicap, firstly, I wouldn't bet in a race like the Boodles yet. I'd want to have a much better idea of what's going to go here and what's going to go to the Triumph. And I just, I look and think Boodles winners generally have a bit in hand. And mm. there will be 10 sets of connections looking at their horse thinking, one more run, get a mark in the boodles. That's our plan. And I just think I could, I think there are others who are much likely to be much better handicapped on the day. Now, what I don't know is maybe on the gallops at the Curra and at home at Close Sutton, this is a 145 horse and he just hasn't shown it on the track. But the two times in France that I've seen him run when he was trying, he is not 133 horse, so I can't back him. Eloquently put, just be wary of these horses. There are horses that are put 
put up on Cheltenham Preview Nights. They're talked up on social media. This is the one. We've cracked the puzzle. He's already towards the top of the betting, and there's enough there to make Adam go... Don't know. Okay, you have some disgusting after timing, but last year when Tony Mullins put up bad, I think it was on the Paddy Power preview show. He put up. Oh, bad. it was. You're right. And that's what put I, was really, and, I was really oh, pissed about that. Somebody had yeah. told me. Um, somebody had told me on Talksport. Oh, this is a this is a horse to watch out for. And before I got a chance to say it on, like I said it on Talksport, so that was great anyway. But before I got a chance to say it on the podcast, there I am driving along, listening to the Paddy Power one. I'm like, ah, oh, crap, Tony. Well, I, of course it well, I messaged a very, a very good friend of mine I went really closely with and I said, but what, what is this? I said, I'm, I'm, this horse was not even on my radar. To be honest, I didn't even, he wasn't even on my list of horses that have been sold. I said, I'm not really interested. I looked at his figures and thought he's not there. But at the same time, there was part of me thought, you know what? In the past, I've opened my big mouth and gone, this horse is a pile of shit. And then of course, up he comes and he bolts up and you think, oh crap. And then you look like the idiot because you've studied the form and gone, he's not well handicapped. So I'm going to hold back on Batman Girac because there is the chance they're sitting on him. But the Boodles is a bit of a graveyard for favourites. And it's just one of those races that, because they're all unexposed juvenile hurdlers, the rumour mill has a much bigger effect on the market than it would do if we had more form to go on. And I can't, yeah. I can't be having him as 133 or on what I've seen so far. Yeah, and also there's plenty of betting up, like there's loads of betting opportunities at Cheltenham, but in yeah. those handicaps, particularly the Boodles, that's where you want to be taking the Aiden O'Hara approach of swinging for something at 20 to 1 plus. Yeah. Like that's where you're, you're going for that. Proceed with caution with those horses. And, and for me, for the Fred Winter, that's a race you want to be looking at at least 14 to 1 up. That's, that's what you want to be thinking about. So we started talking about Sergino. The horse he beat was Salvatore Mundi. He's gone to Willie Mullins. Yeah, what is your take on him? Well, I I, I think that that pre wild monarch is a great piece of form. Salvatore Mundi is kind of I can understand why he went to Willie's, but I think the reason he went to Willie's is different to what most people would assume. I think there's lots of people think Joe Donnelly bought Sergino and Salvatore Mundi out of that race, and Willie had first pick. And I don't think it's as straightforward as Willie Mullins and Nicky Henderson played rock paper scissors, and the winner gets to pick. Whoever. So, the the way I look at it is Salvatore that would be Mundi, a fun image, though. I'd love that. Can you that that that's how all French racehorses should be decided. The trainers go into a room and they play rock paper scissors or arm wrestle. You know that that just. I mean, if they're arm wrestling, Shark Hanlon is going to win at the Triumph every year, I'd imagine. But that's the Shark kind of was thing. this close. He was this close exactly. to getting under so this close. This is, this is you know that, what a way. But the way the way I really look at it is on the day when you get these big newcomers hurdles, I want to look at how the horses run, but I also, I pay a lot of attention to the PMU. If you've got a really good one, particularly if you're thinking of selling it, the chances are you might be tempted to have a little few quid at the same time. So Gino was 22s on the PMU. Salvatore Mundi was the third favourite at 10s. Now, when you watch Salvatore Mundi, he's on and off the bridle. He's definitely finding it harder work. He's not as professional as Sergino. But as they turn for home, the two of them start to pull clear. And Salvatore Mundi is absolutely looming up. And if there was such a thing as detailed in running markets, Salvatore Mundi would probably have been 1.3 as they jump the second last. He's got the stands rail to help him, which is massive at Autoy. And he just doesn't go through it. So Gino jumps the last and finds more. Now, part of that would be that Sergino is definitely the stronger traveller on the evidence we've got. But I'd also consider that Salvatore Mundi, 
had found it harder work. He'd been on and off the bridle. He'd probably worked harder to get there than Sergino had. So there is a case for saying the two of them are very closely matched. His dam is a half-sister to Le Unique, who was a good horse for Alan King. She finished third in a mare's hurdle behind Corvega a few years ago. There's a nice pedigree. The race has worked out all right. The third and fourth are both pattern class horses they've placed in enlisted and grade threes. There's lots to like about Salvatore Mundi, but there's a really cautious tale needed here. He hasn't won a race, so he's technically still a novice. So what do they do? Now, they've had other horses in the past that they've looked at. I've got an example of Jit Langi, who's a good example. They kept him back last year, brought him out in May. So there is a chance with Salvatore Mundi that he won't run in the Triumph. And the way that plan will work is that Willie Mullins will probably run him in the DRF, given the fact he's given him an entry would suggest they may as well run him. And I think what will happen is he'll run at the DRF. If he finishes first or second and they think he could win the Triumph, he'll go to Cheltenham. If he finishes fifth, they'll say, you know what, he's still a novice, we'll just put him away for next season because he's got so much potential. And that is why Salvatore Mundi is in Willie Mullins' yard, because Willie Mullins has a history of trying to buy good horses from France, but also those that he can use the novice status with. Clever. So this could be, it's not impossible this fella runs in the DRF, gets beaten, finishes a good fifth, but is then ruled out of Cheltenham. He actually might go to Cheltenham anyway. This may very well be the Ilete Tom route, for example. Um, it could be. But you're making a really important point here. This guy's a novice. You can protect him for next season. This could very well, similar to Elite Tom, uh, won a grade one novice turtle last season, was beaten in the Supreme, but still very nice horse. He would appear to be a horse, though, that has a little bit more potential about him, a little bit more scope about him, um, I, I think would be the, the first thing to look at. And look, the, the thing that leaps off the page to me about him is he's by the same sire as Alaho and Epitant. So you're, you're getting a, a proven... Uh, a friend, ex-French horse who's got very useful form, who's by a proven sire, whose horses improve with age. It's not necessary. Although French juveniles are miles ahead of, if you if you took a three-year-old that's you know bred in in Ireland or or Britain, you, you, the French would be ahead. But it's far too easy to assume that the French horses can only win the Triumph Hurdle, and for me something that we'll perhaps come on to next time is when you look at the patterns that Willie Mullins follows, mm. are very similar. And if he's got one that's a novice, he's sure as hell not going to waste it in a juvenile novice hurdle if he doesn't have to. So if he doesn't win a big race, it's, it's, it's okay. We'll have another novice season. I don't mind that. And that I think is one of the key things with Salvatore Mundi. By all means, run him at the DRF. Let's watch him at the DRF. If the market really speaks for him, you can probably think they think he's going to go close. But if he doesn't finish within a couple of lengths of the winner or if he doesn't win the race, I think they might also think, you know what, we can put him away and we'll have another novice season with him. The last thing I think that they want to do is risk his novice status and risk his future by blowing his brains too soon. And if it looks at the DRF like this is too much, you probably won't see him again until after the season ends. That's excellent. Uh, he's already five to one for the spring juvenile hurdle. So 
He's fancied, but remember, William Mullins, bingo. You have no idea what's going to happen until these horses actually line up. And even then, you got to wait until after the race to find out how it's all going to pan out. Of the horses we've talked about, so it seems pretty clear to me who your time fertile pick is. That's Kargizi. Um, yeah. Who is your, your alternative to Kargizi as things stand? I, th- I think you could play. I think there are two two bets that I'd want to have now. Um, the first is Kargizi, but I would back her for the triumph, not the spring juvenile. And some people might say that's madness, but the way I view it is if I back her for both and she bombs out of the DRF, I've lost twice. So I'd rather just back her for the triumph because I think she's got to badly underperform not to at least run in the triumph and give me a bet. And I think she's a bit of value because I don't think she'll go off the 14s that she is now. If you don't like that approach and you just want to have a, a bet, you should back Sergino because I think Sergino will beat Burdett Road. I've just got this feeling that if they sort, if as long as he jumps, he's going to beat him because I just think he's a he's got more about him. He's got more travelling. The track will suit him, and therefore, if I think Sergino will beat Burdett Road on Saturday, I'd want to back Sergino for the Triumph now because if he runs on Saturday and beats Burdett Road, he'll be favourite for the Triumph. It's quite a simple equation. So, but again, I don't really want to bet in the Spring Juvenile or indeed the Cheltenham race this Saturday if I can avoid it. What I'd much rather do is be patient and get the value for the triumph. So if Sergino's entry on Saturday is confirmed and Burdett Road turns up, I'll back Sergino for the triumph and I'll do the exact same with Carges provided she's declared for the DRF race. And is Aznadam, Aznadam, is this your Boodle's pick currently? <sighs> Yes, but I can't back him. I can't back him because I'm just going to have to take the hit on the price. I know he's 10s for the Boodles. I think he's 16s non-runner, no bet for the Triumph. The reason I I think for the Boodles, he'd be a great shout. I think he's a good horse. I think he's going to get a nice mark. And let's say he gets the same mark as Batman Girac 1-3-3. I can make a case that Anzadam's a 1-3-3 horse. I can't for Batman Girac. So... But the problem I've got is Anzadam is not yet qualified for the Boodles. So I don't want to back him for the Boodles and then finally turns up at the DRF and he finishes three lengths down in third because then they'll go the triumph and I won't get it. So I'm going to have to take my medicine with that. And if that means I'll lose two points on Monday, on the Monday after the DRF and I have to go and back him for the Boodles, so be it. Personally, I think he'll end up in the Boodles because I think there's just too many in the DRF. There'll be something better than him. That's almost exactly what I'm thinking as well. And look, I know that there's a fear of missing out and you're looking at a really attractive price and it is the lure of an anti-post bet, particularly when you think you found one that's a very fair price. It's a difficult thing um, so, to pass so up on. But if, if, you're, are, if, you're, if you're patient enough, if you're honest with yourself, the amount of times you would have backed a horse that is a big price. Don't just remember the ones that you were right about. Think about the ones you were wrong about. Even if you look at look at the big Saturday races this weekend, how many of those horses at one point did you think was good enough to win a grade one novice hurdle or a grade one novice chase at Cheltenham? And they never quite got to that level. It's not that they're disappointing. It's that you were wrong about how good that horse was going to be. So if you take that approach, I would rather back, this is going to sound weird. I'd rather back and as them, or whatever the hell his pronunciation is, because, you know, it's me and French pronunciations, and I've got to butcher that. It's almost in the contract with the Final Furlong podcast. I must butcher the pronunciation of a French name. But I would rather take 
nine to two, five to one, four to one on the day, knowing everything, as opposed to speculate at the top price sixteen to one now and then find out, oh crap, I was wrong, and he's not even going to run. Exactly. We we are recording on an afternoon where I'm going to put a black armband on because it's been announced that Thalem is injured. I have a slip for Thalem at 20 to 1. This morning he was 4 to 1. But being shrewd and getting a good price makes no bloody difference whatsoever because he's not going to run. And it takes – sometimes you'll see people say, oh, if you get the value over time, just get the value. That's great. But with anti-post betting – I think I heard Gavin Lynch say this on your podcast just before Christmas. He said, you, you've got to be 90% certain they're going to run. With Anzadam, I can only be 40% certain they're going to run. So even if I'm risking two points, if I back him at 10s for the Boodles now and he bolts up at the DRF, I'll look like an absolute idiot because I'll have 10s about a horse for a handicap who's fives for a grade one. So I'd yeah. rather take you you know what i won't bet in the drf race i'll have cargacy i'll have my my triumph hurdle bet on her and then i will watch anzadam and i'll see how he runs and if he runs how i expect him to which is where he'll finish somewhere between fourth and sixth then i'll back him for the boodles and if that means i get sevens instead of tens elite i've got a runner at sevens rather than risking a non-runner at tens yeah, it makes way more sense to me, that approach. Um, for all that, you can be seen to be leaving value on the table. But if you did that for every single horse and every single race, you'd constantly be... Um, the bookies would love you. There'd never be uh, any restrictions on your account. You'd never have any of those incentives taken off you. They'd absolutely love you to be back in that kind of horse. Um, how far would Telem have won the stairs hurdle by? Um... I don't know. What, what, what should we say? I could say anything now, couldn't I really? I think that coming to the last, there would have been four horses involved in the finish. And I think it would have been, so Gerhard would have been ridden forward and prominent. He would be tiring as they get to the last. Irish Point will be one side swinging on the bridle. Thalem will be the other side swinging on the bridle. And you'd have T. Hooper in between the two, struggling to keep up because the ground's too quick for him. How uh, dare you? When they jumped the last, Gaetan Mazare would have looked at whoever's on Irish point, winked at him and scooted up the hill. So I reckon five lengths. But I can say that now. You know, yeah, I can say that because stupid. he's not going to run and no one will ever be able to prove me wrong. I'm and really sorry for you. I, I, I was kind of dismissive of this horse. Not, uh, first of all, I was way out of line. Um, and I was saying all this before Ile Francais had bolted up in the Cota Star and I was chase. And that's not to say that because... Uh, a novice chaser goes and wins a British grade one. That suddenly means that this fellow would have won a grade one hurdle race. But in recent weeks, I've been watching back his races in France. Jeez. Well, he's, as as he's we don't need to cover him, I'll just give you one very quick stat that I knocked up that I thought has been really clever. So, Falem won the Grand Prix d'Autom at Autoy in November. He gave four kilos, so nine pounds, to the horse in second, who's a horse called Ine Anjou. She is a wonderful mare. Her support, her. Uh, her syndicate owners come and sing songs before the race. It's like a football match when she runs. It's brilliant. Oh, class. Falem beat her by 10 lengths, giving her four kilos. In the grade one in 2022, Ile Francais gave her two kilos and he was only eight lengths in front of her. So if we think Ile Francais is a superstar, Falem has proved that he's done even better. I have to just move on with that. That's life. 
At the age of 37, I've learned the back losers. All I can say to you is, I'm sorry for you. I know that the black armband is on. I know that you have requested complete silence in the house. You're going to be listening to somber music. Sarah McLaughlin, I will remember you. Like, that's going to be playing left, right and centre and, and dreaming of what this horse can do next season. But the good news is, there is still time for you to get stuck into Tihupu. Who wins the stairs hurdle on this now? Oh, you can predict the weather, Emmett. I didn't know that. <laughs> I've got George Gorman with a water tank <laughs> all set up to go Wednesday night flood the new course uh, really enjoyed this looking forward to catching up with you again next week as we delve into the novice chasers there's an ELA Francais that might be interesting to talk about could be your horse watching interestingly has an entry for Cheltenham although I don't think there's any chance of him actually taking that up uh, but some very interesting handicap hurdlers and novice hurdlers to talk about including one you have been trying to persuade me about via the Twitter DMs who's currently 40 to 1 more on that next week on the Final Furlong Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I really hope you've enjoyed it. You can follow Adam on Twitter, GG Banker on the tweet machine. That's the one, yeah. GG Banker. We will link to him on X, formerly known as Twitter as well. If you haven't liked this episode, please do. If you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube or on your various podcast apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening to us, make sure you hit that as well. It's a massive help with the algorithm. Believe us, it really is. And we really appreciate it. From Adam and myself, we'll talk to you again very, very soon on the Final Furlong Podcast. Look after yourself and each other. God bless.